want him to have his way today. Amen. Amen. Today we're having a uh, special, special service. We have um, some of our very own who went abroad this summer. Uh, John and Lexi, they went overseas. And today, this morning, they're going to tell us about their experience. And who knows, maybe they'll preach to you. Who knows what uh, what they've got in store. But um, the first one up who, who drew the short straw is John. Amen. So we're going to welcome him. Come on up, John. Praise the Lord, church. Good to be in the house of the Lord today, amen. Good to see all of your smiling faces. Uh, I give honor to Pastor for allowing me to speak here today, for giving me an opportunity to uh, serve overseas in Finland. And I'm honored to stand up here where our Florida minister stood here yesterday, where we had our amazing panel. It was a great time, and it was a blessing to be here for that. And uh, God's been giving me some reoccurring themes that have been popping up, so I want to go with the flow of that as they are prevalent in the in yesterday's event as well. Uh, the way my time up here will go will is that I will first show you guys a bunch of pictures, and I'll just talk about a lot of things because I'm a photographer at heart, and I tend to take a lot of photos of things. So I'll show you guys some things that I feel cool. You can all sit down, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> So to start off, this is the uh, flag of Finland, or was the flag of Finland. Um, these are the missionaries. It's Brother Mark and Brother Mark Alfin and Sister Glenda Alfin. Uh, they're both the missionaries because a lot of times we'll figure out that uh, it's just the male that's a missionary. But they both have a call from God on their lives for the country of Finland and for the people there. And they're missionaries to both Iceland and to Finland. Uh, go to the next picture. And, sorry, it's hard to see. That little red dot right there is Torku. Uh, so there's two congregations. There's Torku, which is on that little red dot, which is on the other coast of Finland. And then you have a congregation in Espo as well. Um, it's kind of hard to see from here, but it's those two little black words over there in the bottom corner. You can go to the next picture. Uh, so my first week there, I stayed in a couple different Airbnbs. And my first week, they kind of wanted me to chill out, trying to get relaxed. I have a good portion of my camera roll that is filled of items at the grocery store because <laughs> I didn't know what anything meant. And so I really had to take a lot of pictures to remember all of it. Uh, so my first week, I kind of explored a little bit. I went to an island by myself. And I know what some of you are thinking. I didn't get lost. I'm still here. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Uh, so this is the entrance to one of the islands. Uh, I'll just go through some of the other pictures. Um, so this is one of the entrances. Uh, Finland is known for its greenery. It just is super green, great pathways. There's a lot of stuff to see. Like everywhere you turn, there's just great things to see. And there's always something to look at. And, you know, a picture can only show you so much. But you can see a lot more with your own eyes. Uh, so this is one of the views looking at Helsinki. <laughs> uh, so this is from the island just looking over uh, just a lot of greenery a lot of prettiness um, here's just some of the buildings they had a bunch of history on this island of old buildings old church buildings as well uh, so this was just one of the buildings I don't know the significance of it but it looked pretty cool like I said 
Um, so this is the president's castle. This is actually where like they have some of their ministers say or guest speakers, and they're treated like any other person type of thing. Like they will have people speak here, and they will just go up and down in and out of the castle, and it's not like Hollywood stars. You know, they're not. Everybody's not surrounding them and swarming them. It's just another building in the city. And a lot of the buildings are kind of like that. They're really pretty. They have a, a lot of great architecture. I know Brother Khan can probably appreciate some of the design that they have, but it's really pretty just to look at and just to see what's around town. You can go to the next picture. Uh, so here's just some of the stuff I see in the city. You guys can keep going. <laughs> uh, this is one of the main... Um, streets in Helsinki downtown. So they had a bunch of the coffee shops here, uh, some of the stock exchange companies. It was a very busy place overall. There was a lot of people. And Helsinki is pretty touristy in general, so you saw a lot of people. I wasn't trying to be one of those people, but I ended up <laughs> anyway. Uh, here's just a like a little mine cart that you would see, probably something you wouldn't see around. And they didn't have this in a museum. This was when I was prayer walking in a community. They just had this sitting out there. They just have cool things all around, little Easter eggs, you might say. Um, so here is one of the parks, and they actually have real parks. You know, they have hills, real hills, not our Florida hills. You can't just drive up. <laughs> so this was to one of the camping sites, and it was just so beautiful just to be there. They had gorgeous lakes, and they didn't have predators inside the lakes. You know, you go inside any body of water here, there's either an alligator or a shark. So here you could swim around. There's a couple otters that we saw, but it was really nice just to be there. Um, just some of the buildings, again, the colors really popped. Uh, you wouldn't see like a red building like this in anywhere in Florida that I know of. So uh, just here's another one of the cities. This is one of the main cities. It connects right next to the white church. Um, on the other side of this was some of the Senate buildings and a lot of the uh, minister's buildings. Uh, here's right next to the street that I stayed. Right next to me, uh, there was a soccer park. There's a soccer field, I should say. And then there was a park. And then there was a dog park and a skate park. It was all just right there within walking distance. And everything's accessible because they have public transportation. Uh, so this is just a view from the harbor. Uh, these are a lot of the engineering buildings. Uh, they're kind of designed in a different way as well, um, which is pretty different to America's standards. Um, here is a view, so when we went to a different island, and this time I went as a group so I didn't get lost, uh, this was just one of the buildings on an island nearby. They have a ton of lakes in Finland. It's often called the land of a thousand lakes. I think they have over 180,000 lakes in their country. Uh, so here's the other island. Uh, this was called Suomenlina. So here's just some of the buildings on there. Uh, it was just really pretty to see. This was a church way off in the distance. And they had, uh, this was like a tech building that they had. So you could go to the roof of the tech building. And they had like a camera store underneath. They had electronics and everything like that. And you could go on the roof and they have glass panes all around because the wind's blowing so heavy. I think it was like seven stories up or something. Um, and you could just see over the harbor, you could see over the city, you could get a great view over the city. There's a ton of buildings in the way and a ton of cranes, so I didn't get any good pictures. But here's a view of the South Harbor. It was a really nice place. And right there where all that silvering is, that's a soccer park. 
There's the indoor and then the outdoor right next to it, and this is where a bunch of the cruise ships come in and go, as you can see. Uh, here's the trams. So I had a public bus pass, which went for the bus, the tram, the train, and so pretty much that was my way of getting around anywhere I needed to go if I couldn't walk. The tram was really helpful because there was always two every single direction, and they always came like within 15 to 10 minutes with e uh, within each other. So, uh, okay. And this was the Central Railway Station. So this is probably one of the largest buildings. I've never been to a train station this big. I've been to a, I've been on a train in India, but I haven't been in something this huge. And they just had I think they had like almost 20 trains. So. And I was trying to be discreet and take a picture of the trains. Uh, here's just some of the railways. They look kind of different, I guess. They look different to me. They don't look like American trains. Uh, and one thing I did miss was the sunsets. There was only about two good sunsets that I saw because it was either always cloudy or raining. Um, there was a good bit of rain all the time. They did have cooler weather. I think the hottest it was was like 76 degrees. And yeah. <laughs> With humidity, it was 84, so, I mean, it's still nicer than here, but <laughs> I think the coolest it got was down almost to the 50s. It was, like, low 50s. It was pretty nice that night. Uh, and so another thing about Finnish people is they have this tradition where you run into the lake when it's frozen. You jump in, and then you jump into the sauna. And they told me, I, I made friends with the Finnish person on the plane over. They told me I had to try it. And I said, no way. <laughs> so here's a Ferris wheel. And if you look at the very top, there is a brown box. And that is a sauna on a Ferris wheel. Crazy. <laughs> I didn't get to go on it, but, you know, it's always there if you guys want to. <laughs> Uh, here was the Russian Orthodox Church. There were two main churches that were prominent in the buildings in uh, the downtown area. was the Russian Orthodox Church, and then the next church was the White Church. Uh, they were both huge. I went inside the White Church. I didn't go inside the other one. Uh, it was really nice just to look around and see the inside of it, just see what you're looking at, really. Um, uh, so we went to a real-life castle. This is in Hamanlina. Uh, this is the Hamanlina Castle, and it was, it was a long walk. I tell you, to the top of the stairs on that thing, and it was like it was like there was different passageways all over. They had a bunch of passageways that were closed off because they were too small. They were like service entrances and stuff like that. And so right where those windows are at the top, you can go all the way up to there. Um, and this is like a far away view, so you can't see it to scale, but. Uh, here is the world's largest wooden sailing ship. It's a Swedish ship. I believe it's called the Gothenburg. Um, it was docked at the harbor for a few days, so we got to see it, and it was it was just an incredible sight to see. Uh, this is my friend Johannes. Um, we went to an amusement park, and get this, the admission was free. <laughs> You could pay $35 to ride all the rides if you were there like after 4, I believe, and they closed at like 9. $35 isn't bad and free admission, so we just walked around. And you get a nice view at the city, so you could see a lot. Um, and so this is what I would call the backbone of the church. We have Pastor Candice, Brother Johannes, 
and then the missionaries, and then the Filipino church. Uh, this is the backbone. They kind of run the church. They help out in every single way possible. They serve. They basically do everything they need that the church needs right now. And so I would say they're the backbone because they're the most faithful. Um, we worked on discipleship a lot, and that's something I found out very quickly, and working on getting them stronger because they they were great people, and they were already strong. We were just working on getting them stronger and getting them more involved in God and working on their spiritual life. And then they had also a Colombian population, so that's all the extra people that you see here. Um, we would have bilingual services twice a month, so we would all get together and we would all fellowship afterwards. And so what did I do? Now, some of you might be thinking, I went on vacation for two months. That <laughs> That's not exactly the case. I preached and I teach. I taught a couple of full sermons and I did a good bit of mini sermonettes. And I always had to make sure I was ready with something because they told me, you, you will get called on out of nowhere. <laughs> There was one time in particular we were driving to church. I wasn't ready. And they were like, you ready to speak today? And I was like, no. And they are like, well, you are. So. <laughs> uh, I helped out with sound and media. And I also did a lot of prayer walking and helping with the discipleship training. Uh, so this is me and Pastor Mark uh, prayer walking in Thorku. I also used my camera a bunch for photography and videography to help with the church website. Uh, the church was recognized by the state of Finland as I was there, and that had been a long-fought battle, so they had to up a bunch of their standards. They had to get a website. They had to follow some regulations because everything's regulated in Finland. And so here's me trying to block the sun from uh, the person I'm videotaping <laughs> as I'm videotaping them. Uh I also got to help with the launch of EuroAIM. So we have actually grown so much that we have a European congregation that we can allow to aim to other countries. And so we would record different things. We record testimonials for the church website. We recorded the missionaries, kind of posting an ad to the AIM site. Uh, we also had service in the park. This is in Gaiva Poisto. Um, we were ju basically just trying to be there, just trying to be a light, just trying to impact the community, impact the spiritual atmosphere. We also had a youth camp with the kids. I preached the session, and um, there weren't a lot of kids, which is okay, but we were working on these kids in particular. And that was one thing that I really liked was being able to focus on them specifically. And this was before, we did a couple outreaches, so this was before the second outreach. Uh, we had a bunch of people sick, uh, so this was us at the church prepping. And then this was us at the train center. And what we basically did for these outreaches, we baked snickerdoodles, and we attached a Bible verse on one side. And on the other side, we'd have church contact information. And we made a lot of contacts that way as well. We had a lot of people talk to us and ask us, like, uh, what are we doing, like, there were people that just lit up as soon as we handed them a cookie because there's no, like, sense of niceness there. Finnish people are very private, and they aren't very warm. You know, they won't come up to you and say, like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, And I was telling Richard this, but um, to, s to say to a Finnish person, how are you doing, how's it going, you're basically asking them to explain their whole life story, and they'll tell you that. They will tell you everything about them. They will tell you all about their day. And uh, we also always 
had almost always had fellowship after service, and the congregation of Thorpeville was always gracious to host us in their homes. It was just a beautiful community. They had a nice Filipino community just set up. Just It was like an immigrant community, but it was mo- mainly Filipino people. And they had little backyards with tons of gardens, and just colors were popping. Like, it was really nice just to be there. And so here's my last Sunday. We had a bilingual service where we had a soul added to the kingdom. Praise God. And it was just a great time to be there. I really liked being able to be poured into by the missionaries. I was the only aimer there at the time because the other aimers fell through. Uh, So aimer is just the term I'm called when I go over to the missions field. Um, But more than all of these individual things that I did, I remember what Bishop Bruce said to me before I left, and that was to do anything the missionaries asked me to do, to make myself available for them in any way, and to serve them in every single way. And that was the mindset of what Bishop Boyd referred to yesterday when he was talking about a member of his church whom he referred to as Brother Cock. Because that member filled in the gaps. Wherever there was a need in the church, he would fill it, he would take care of it. And even Brother Justin Rogers said there was a need in this church for a drummer, and he filled that. And it's not about me, and it's not about you. It's not about any single one of us, but we are all members of the body of Christ, working together in unison. I'm not special just because I got on a plane and I went to Finland. There was nothing about me that qualified me to go overseas and work in another country, but my God qualifies the unqualified. He takes you where you're at and he turns it for his glory. He, you, he will use you for his glory, and it's all about being available and billing, being willing to be used by God. And this past Friday, we had a hyphen rally in Cooper City. We had Brother Chris Hilton speak on the topic, Make It Count. And he delivered a great word that night, and I'm going to steal part of it because it's one of those recurring themes that keep popping up. And I apologize to Gavin for not giving you this verse before. Uh, but in Ephesians 5, 14 through 16, it says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And the way Paul said this is interesting, because he had said, Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. But we all know that once you have lost time, there is no way to get it back. Once a day is gone, it's gone for good. And so what did Paul mean by this? Paul meant from this moment forward that we have to make it count. It's more than just making up for lost time, but it's making the time that we have left count towards our eternity. Because the only work that counts is the ones we do for the kingdom of God. That's what counts for our eternity. We have to make ourselves available for every opportunity we get in our short time left on this earth. Because tomorrow is not promised. Amen. And so someone else that has made themselves available for the kingdom of God is Lexi. She came back from her third mission trip, and we're going to play a short video just to start her off. So many unreached people around the world. The world's population is nearing the 8 billion people mark. Will someone go reach them? In Madagascar alone, there are almost 29 million people, with 11 million of them being children age 15 and under. As we drove by villages, we wondered, will they ever hear the gospel? We need laborers to go into the harvest. We need people to go. The 2022 Next Steps team that trained in Madagascar received a special word from the Lord. This is the journey God has set before you. There is nothing that can stop his plan. 
This is not about you or what you can do. This is not about what you can accomplish with your own power. This is about being a tool in God's hands. This is about being a willing vessel in spite of your limitations, in spite of your weaknesses, and in spite of your past. God will use you for the miraculous. All of the honor and glory will go to Him if you will just make yourself available to be used. Walk in peace in Him, for His presence will go before you. service by saying and the response to that is hallelujah it means praise Jesus and you guys respond by praising Jesus so church amen so I want to thank pastor for allowing me to speak here today this summer I traveled to Madagascar uh, with a team called next steps over there we learned a little bit of their language and we did learn a few songs so I'm going to start off by singing a song in Malagasy. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because 
Madagascar is a beautiful place. Um, it's a small island off the coast of Africa. If you guys could show my first picture, please. So you can't really see it back here, but up here you can. Um, it's a small island, the little red part, that's Madagascar. Um, it's a beautiful place. I loved it there so much. Um, the population of Madagascar is 27.69 million people. It's an incredible place with many souls to be reached. Um, go ahead and go to my next picture, please. Thank you. Um, while we were there, 2,000 people received the Holy Ghost. God is good. Um, out of the 27.69 million, though, 2,000 is nothing. There are still so many souls to be reached. One of the largest struggles in Madagascar is that the Malagasy believe Malagasy people believe that their ancestors serve as like a connection between them and God. So every year they have a ceremony. Um, if you could show my next photo, thank you. They have a ceremony called Fama Diahana. In Fana Miadana, they unbury their dead. They pull them out of the tomb. They unwrap the body. They dance with the bones. And then they rewrap the body. And they believe that this brings them closer to their ancestors so that their ancestors can bring their prayer requests to God. But we know that God hears our prayers. Go ahead and go to my next. Thank you. Um, so these are some of the tombs in Madagascar. They're like partially above ground and partially below ground. So every year they do the same ceremony where they unwrap and rewrap the bodies. Um, and so the Malagasy people are very traditional because of this. They respect their ancestors so much that they have declined um, new methods for farming and new ways of doing things in more modern ways because they want to respect their ancestors so much. And because of this, Madagascar is among the poorest people in the world. They're the third poorest nation. Um, a typical monthly salary in Madagascar would equate to 50 US dollars. The Malagasy people though, they have a hunger for God and the things of God because they depend on him for everything that they have. Um, has anyone in here seen the movie Madagascar? <laughs> so, in the movie, there are a lot of lemurs that jump around, and they sing a song about liking to move it, move it. You guys saw a little bit in my video that they really do that during worship. The movie got that part very correct. They love to worship. They love to dance. They love to sing. Um, I sent a video in of that. don't have okay see me after service I'll show you the video um, so their worship is just so authentic and beautiful and their people just depend on God for everything um, and while we were there we were given a lot of opportunities to work in ministry our time began with three weeks of training and I have a photo of that during the training each week had a specific focus so this was during one of our classes. We were having a breakout session. 
Um, but the first week was who am I? And during this week, we learned how Christ sees us and who we are as believers in God. Um, it was impactful to all of us, but we as a team discovered the lies that the enemy's trying to speak over our lives. And we learned what God really thinks about us and that those things are not true. So one of the, the highlights from what this week was learning that and really discovering my identity in Christ. Um, during week two, we focused on what we are. What we are is we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. In this week of training, we learned the basics of altar working, spiritual warfare, conflict resolution, mentoring, facing culture shock. We learned a lot. <laughs> but we learned that God calls who he, God equips who he calls. This week was a week that I remember very well because my heart was just so heavy for these people and walking down the streets and wondering, will they ever hear your gospel, God? Will they ever know you? And I felt a love like I have never felt before for people that I, I don't know even still. But I felt a burden, a burden to be a better Christian, a better friend to those around me, a better witness in all the places I go. Um, during week three, the focus was on where we were. We learned a lot about Madagascar. We learned some of the things that I've already shared with you. And we learned about what missions is like on a daily basis. After our training was over, we had five weeks of apprenticeship where we traveled around the island and we ministered in different ways. Some of the areas we were able to help in was there was a small team of us with a medical background that went to a clinic. I was part of that team and I loved it. We got to help deliver babies and provide medical care to people who didn't have the money to have it otherwise. So that was really awesome. We helped teach English in English clubs. Um, we helped with Bible quizzing, kids' services. We put on a soccer camp for the kids because soccer is a really big part of Malagasy culture. And we actually had 11 receive the Holy Ghost at the soccer camp. Um, I preached. I taught chapels at Bible colleges. I'm sorry if I pause randomly because I'm used to teaching with a translator now. <laughs> but... Um, one of the really impactful parts was a conference we put on in Majunga. Majunga was a 15-hour drive away from where we stayed, and we had a revival there while we were there. We had street services, and we had night services there. And um, it's really common. They don't have the luxuries that we have here in America So it's common for something like this to happen during service. You'll be speaking, and all of a sudden you have no lights and no sound system and nothing like that. If you could go to my next photo. The next one, sorry. One more. <laughs> there we go. So it's very common that the lights would go out in the middle of service. They don't have power the way we do. And there was a service in Majunga where we lost power right in the middle of service. We kept preaching. We kept going. Um, they were able to pull out a generator and pull, bring it up so that they had a microphone to keep teaching. And it was pitch black. It was night. There's no walls on the church. There's no floor. They, they had a roof, and that was it. And um, so we're in the middle of service. The lights go out. 
and we were thinking, how are we going to do this altar call? There's over a thousand people right now. What are we going to do? So we pulled out our phones, we pulled out our flashlights, and we held them up. And 50 people received the Holy Ghost. But that moment was so impactful because God was showing us that it's not about what we have. It's not about what qualifies us. He can take what we have right in our hand and he can use us. You can turn them back on. Madagascar is a third world country without a lot of our luxuries that we're so privileged to have in our daily lives. It's really common for things like this to happen. The water is not safe to drink. The vegetables aren't safe to eat without proper preparation. The food sold on the streets is not safe for us to eat. There's no AC. There's not nice cozy flooring. There's not walls on the churches. There's not floors in the churches. It's just dirt and a, and a roof. But the call of God supersedes every bit of that. The call of God takes priority in your life. And the call of God says, okay, you might not have a floor. You might not have walls. You might not have lights, but I can still use you. I can still take that and use it. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Isaiah is answering a call. The Lord's asking who's going to go. And Isaiah says, here I am. It's me. I'll go. And so I stand here before you answering the same call. I'm here, God. Send me. But that's not only to go to foreign countries. Being called of God is to be called to go to the grocery store and witness to somebody. Being called of God isn't only to go preach a big conference or to be up here even. Being called of God could be to scrub the toilets. Being called of God doesn't mean that you have to do all these big things. Um, in Exodus 3 verse 4, it says, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. Moses said, here am I, and we need to say the same thing when God calls us. In Exodus 4, 1 through 5, it says, and Moses answered and said, behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee, and the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it onto the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. So in that verse, God is just asking, what do you have in your hand, Moses? What's that right there? You have a rod? I can use that. So I want everybody to raise up your hand. And I want you to think about it. What do you have in your hand that God can use? You may not have a big calling to a foreign country. You may not have enough money that you think you need. You may not have the, the things that you think you want. But what do you have? What can God use? Because God is just asking you, what do you have? What do you have? You have a rod? I can use that. You have a love for people? I can use that. 
You have a beautiful singing voice. I can use that. You can play the piano. I can use that. You know how to clean a toilet. I can use that. God isn't asking you to do something big and crazy. He's asking you, what do you have in your hand? What do you have today in your hand? God gave Moses two instructions. Throw down the stick and pick up the stick. He didn't ask Moses, go run around and run a 5K. He said, throw down the stick and pick up the stick. All we need to do today is do what God is calling us to do. Just because God called you doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that you're not going to cry. It doesn't mean you're not going to see things that are hard. It just means that you're going to follow God. All God is asking is, what do you have to offer me today? So Moses had a stutter, but Moses also had obedience to God. God doesn't care about your reputation. He doesn't care what others think of you. All he cares about is that you're willing to listen and follow the call. If I could have everyone stand with me. When I was praying this morning about this service, the Lord told me that there's an impartation. There's an impartation that John and I got this summer that we are to impart into you guys. So I want you all to raise your hands. And we're going to pray. And God is going to impart these things into you. He's going to take what you have in your hands. And he's going to use it for his glory. receive it. We receive it in this place right now. We receive it. We receive it in the name of Jesus. 
purpose, direction, your plan, your desire. Order our steps, almighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, say, you can use anything, Lord. You can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. We lift our hands to you. We say, take my hands. Take my hands. people or giftings or gadgets or anything. He just needs somebody that's hungry and God will take care of the rest. Amen. Amen. If we get hungry enough, God will lead us, fill us, direct us. Man, and it may not be overseas. It just may be to finally reaching that person on our street or that person in a grocery store, that cashier we recognize just to say a word. Who knows what it is, but God will lead us if we are hungry and we are obedient, amen, we will see the glory of God, amen, manifested in us and through us in somebody else's life, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, John and Lexi, for your hunger for God, for your commitment, obedience to God, amen, and, and we know that God has great things for each and every, for both of you, amen, and he has great things for us, amen. We just don't. Let's just not let it be just we hear about a few people doing great things. We, we all can do great things for God, right? Share testimonies about what God is doing through us and, and be in the church. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Amen. We're going to now go into our, our church prayer. 
Amen. And then uh, into worship service. Amen. God bless you all. Let's begin to seek the Lord.